This is Solve It for Kids. Hello, my amazing and curious friends. My name is Jennifer, the Dean of all things STEM and STEAM, and this is Solve It for Kids. The podcast that gives kids and families a peek inside the real world of scientists, engineers, and experts as they solve problems in their jobs using creativity, cooperation, and critical thinking. And now please welcome to the show my podcast partner, Galactic Space Geek, Jeff Kanya. Hello, Jennifer, and hello, listeners. Yes, Galactic Space Geek, Jeff does like to travel far, galactically speaking. However, today we get to go a little shorter across the pond. This is going to be a fantastic episode. What problem are we solving today? How do plants survive in extreme habitats? How do plants survive in extreme habitats? Oh, this is going to be really fun. Who is our special guest today, Jeff? This is going to be so much fun. Today, we have expert gardener, author, and broadcaster from the United Kingdom, Matthew Biggs. He trained at the Royal Botanic Gardens at Kew. Welcome to the show, Matthew. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, we are thrilled to have you, and... You know, it's going to be really interesting, I think, to talk about plants because we haven't really kind of investigated everything to do with plants. But I like to start with my first question. Did you always love plants as a kid? Were you one of those kids that dug in the garden and made your own garden and planted things and grew it? No. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Of course not. Of course, yeah. Nobody says yes. So how did you get into plants then? Uh My mum had a garden. My dad loved the countryside. Um, I worked in an office for a very short time because I didn't have many qualifications. And (laughs) I used to think, you know, I'd love to work outside. I used to see people in the summer in the gardens and started to think gardens are really nice. And my mum started taking me around gardens. And my father loved all the historic gardens that were in Britain. And little by little. I'd had to give up the fight because it was <laughs> taking me over. It was almost like a big green but wonderful monster that wrapped its arms around and, and said, you know, come with me, Matthew, <laughs> you know, to garden. So I, I just couldn't it. resist. It was great. Yeah, I love of, that. Yeah, that's awesome. That I love happened. that. That sounds like a story waiting to happen. Yes. And somebody's going to buy the film rights and <laughs> I can picturing it on a big screen. A great picture book. Yes, for kids. Absolutely. So how did you allow, I think a lot of our listeners are young and, you know, they like something and they realize, okay, they like it and then they start doing it more and then they start doing it a little more. If you can think of words, how did you feel yourself, like, let it take you over? It's really interesting you should say that, Jeff, because I moved to work for a local authority. So I was working, you know, in in, uh, parks in the city where I lived, in Leicester, in the town hall square. And it was really little by little, minute steps, not baby steps, minute little. <laughs> <laughs> little by little, it took me over. 
And the more I got into it, and particularly when I was able to go to Kew, I mean, to go to a place like that, this garden listeners is it's a really ancient garden yes. and they've got examples of deserts of rainforest of alpine of temperate zones wow. really ancient plants that have been there for centuries it was once a garden that belonged to the king and queen of england and wow. they started a small collection of plants so it was just the perfect place for it and Really, it just became more and more. It was like, you know how you start a snowball and you start pushing it? <laughs> yes, and yes. And then it gets bigger and bigger. Well, it was like that. So I started off with quite an interesting plant. thought, this is good. And the more I got into it, the more exciting it became. And I learned about the plants wow. in the desert and thought, wow, I'd love to go to a desert one day. And I thought, you know, what, what must it be like to be a plant living at the top of a mountain, hunkering right. down <laughs> stone, you know, with, yeah. with, it ra- with it raining very rare. You know, what would I do when I'm hungry? How will I survive? Yes. I started to learn that the plants were able to live in all sorts of places around the world. And in fact, it's only places like the Antarctic where there is a giant ice sheet, the biggest desert in <laughs> the world, that there are very few plants. And I wanted, I wanted to find out more about flowering plants in the Antarctic. And there are actually two kinds of flowering plants in the Antarctic. Really? Place. I didn't know there were any plants there. And because of climate change, the ice cap melting, these plants are getting more and more established. And what really I found fascinating with this one is that the ones that live on very rocky ground where there's not much soil, uh, they just stay very tiny and small. But if they're by the sea, near the sea, where the penguins live, then they get this lovely... Breakfast, lunch, and dinner is penguin and seal poo. <laughs> <laughs> nice fertilizer there, natural fertilizer. Absolutely. Just the job if, if you're that kind of plant. That's so cool. So, yeah, that's kind of what we're talking about is plants growing in extreme places. And But also, you could see all of this or a lot of this in Kew Gardens in the UK. Can you explain yeah, you can. that? They have like a hot house or like a greenhouse. How does that work? They do. They have they have hot houses. And you've got similar botanical gardens. Don't forget all your wonderful American botanical yes, gardens. Yes, got. I mean, you, you know, you can go to, is it the Arizona Desert Botanical Gardens? And there you've yeah. got all the plants and people will tell you about the deserts. So we put all our temperature loving plants in greenhouses but also the alpine plants from the top of the mountains because top of the mountains the conditions are similar to the uh, the poles the antarctic and the 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 altitude so you've got the snow and the short growing uh, season so plants have to be kept dry because they spend a lot of their life under a lovely big duvet of snow uh, (laughs) and then it all melts away and they do their there's much growing as they possibly can. <laughs> and trying to attract the insects, and some of them will move around to catch the sun. So it's almost like saying to the flies that are around, you know, come and sit in this deck chair. It's very warm. <laughs> so I got, love that. You know, they bring in the pollinators in all sorts of different ways. Wow. Because that's what it is for the plants. It's like for the plants, the same for us, it's about surviving. And the plants do so much us as well as make the world beautiful you know they're really really important for our survival that's very right. true yeah i 
absolutely love how you talk about it and how you were describing how you grew into what you love because <laughs> it was all about asking questions. Yes, curiosity. And the way you were asking the questions was, it reminded me of Einstein and how he figured out general relativity. The story goes, he started with the question of, what would it be like if I sat on the end of a light beam, yeah. a beam of light? Yeah. And you were just asking the question as if you were the plants. Yes. How yeah. do I get some food? Where can I get some sunshine? Have you always asked questions in that manner? Or did you notice because you found a passion for plants that you started asking the question like that about plants? That's really interesting because I ask questions about the plants, you know, when you first see them. So people will sometimes say to me, Matt, Matt, I've got a really silly question. <laughs> yes. So I would say to your I... listeners, there's no such thing as a silly question. We're Agreed. not born, yep. we're born with that knowledge. So the more questions that you ask and the more um, inquisitive. No, well, why is this? How is this? What, yes. what is this? When did this happen? What will happen if I do this? Then right. the kind of lovely questions that your listeners ask, because yes. they ask those questions, they then educate themselves and learn to understand. And the more you understand, the more you can care for things, the more you can enjoy things, the more you can share. I think it's really right. important that if you love plants, if you love space, if you love the underwater world, whatever it is, then share it with your friends and try and make sure that everybody that you know knows about your interest, but also has an interest of their own because it makes life so exciting, yes. uh, so interesting. And wherever you go, you know, you will always be asking questions. And when I went to Kew, of course, we were taught, you know, I, I had to go and sit very politely and listen <laughs> you know right. outside rummaging about or what have you but that's how you learn and you've got to keep your eyes open all the time now I'm always looking where are the plants look at that moss growing on the roof of the house I wonder what kind of moss it is who could I find out who, who could tell yes, me yes could I look on the internet and then you can keep a a little list of the mosses growing on the roof in your house of your house and how they change right. your yes. Or look at the the weeds growing in the car park at school, <laughs> something like that. You know, and just see where things have popped up. But keep your eyes open, open yes. all the time, and your ears open. So yes. important. Keep your eyes and your ears open to learn things. And everyone, I believe, everyone has got an enthusiasm, an interest, something that fires them yes. up. Yes. You know, whether it be, I don't know, whether it be cars or engineering or arts or whether you're really good at school at making things, then find an interest. And, it, and I would be so happy if you said, met me one day and said, Matt, I'm interested in plants and the world. See, yeah, and so you fit very well into the show, Matthew, because that's what we're all about is curiosity and finding whatever, you know, you're passionate about and sharing it with others. So I'm curious, though. So what part of gardening drew you in? Was it plant? Did you plant your own plants and grow them? And that's what got you interested? Or were you just curious about the world around you and saw plants? Or did you immediately jump to, 
Why is that moss growing there? Or I love this. Why are those weeds growing in, <laughs> you know, the parking spot? What, yeah, what drew it, you in specifically? It, do you know, it's only later in my life. And you, this is why you're discovering all the time. You're discovering yes. yourself. You're discovering things about the world around you. And I suddenly realized that I love stories. If you've got a story ah. for me, you know, and it's something different and it's interesting and it's odd and it's unusual and lots and lots of plants have stories or yes. lots, lots of plants are really quirky. You know, there's one plant that I love and it's found high in the mountains in the tropical parts of the world. Actually, just on two mountains in Borneo, there is what we would normally think of as a pitcher plant, an insectivorous plant, and they have a like a big bucket and they have different ways of attracting insects. So sometimes okay. mammals into them. The mammals fall into the bucket, they drown, and then they rot away and oh. takes all the goodness. But this, well, this, this particular one, which is called the king monkey cup, it has a completely different way of getting its food. And it's got the bucket shape, it's got the lid. But there are two species. There's a species of shrew, and species is, is, is a word for kind. Right. So, okay. And they've all got their science names. So there is a kind of shrew with this specific science name and a kind of rat. And instead okay. of trapping them, they, again, we're back to poo, I'm afraid. We are <laughs> But they put their paws, one on each, you know, corner of the circle, as it were, and they use it as a toilet. Now, to make sure that they are attracted to this toilet, where the seat, incidentally, is exactly the right size for an adult to put its paws on. So, the, the Oh, my gosh! I found, no, a, I found a scientific paper fairly recently where some Australian scientists have been and then measured all the angles of the toilet seat and how it sat and whether it was, and it was perfect for the size of these two. Insects. In the plant. The, the seat is in the plant. Yeah, these two rodents. And so wow. when it went for a poo, on the inside of the toilet seat, if you like, there was nectar. So they would sit and lick the nectar. Oh, uh, there you go. Reward uh, <laughs> while fertilizing the plant. And it's believed there's actually something in that nectar that makes them go to the toilet to make, to make sure. And this is what's called. Wow. It's a word called. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> it's called symbiosis. If you've got a friend, uh, Jennifer, in fact, you have got a friend, you've got Jeff. Uh, <laughs> you say to Jeff, come and help me out with this, will you, Jeff? And I will give you a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Yes. Uh, and Jeff will go, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. And it's called, I will. it's yes. called symbiosis is the word. Yeah. So helping each other. And so the rat or the shrew is helping the plant by fertilizing it. Um, and in return, the plant says, that's really kind of you. Thank you very much. It means I can stay alive here in return. Wow. Nice sugary nectar. Have a nice sort of sweet drink to give you the energy that you need to scamper around and to go around and to eat the things you need. So in the plants yeah. and nature, there's a lot of helping one another. And I think that's a really good lesson for all of us. You know, if we all help each other, like the plants help each other yeah. in a lot of ways, then we will all get by and we will all have a great time. So is that what kind of drew you to plants then was learning all these kind of interesting, obscure fun facts, which oh, yeah. I think is cool. Oh, that was amazing. That's it amazing. Is, 
you know, it is the fun facts and it is the fact that isn't, isn't it incredible um, that a plant can live on the top of a mountain and, and how they do it. I think that's yeah. if you took a plant from the Amazon rainforest and put it on the top of the mountain, well, it, it just would wouldn't survive. No. And if you took a plant from the top of the mountain and put it in the rainforest, it wouldn't survive. So what's fascinating is, is that every plant has a niche and every yes. the niche is like a little a little place where it can live, a little gap where it, it can live and be happy. And that goes right throughout the world, according to the different climates wow. there are, whether you're yeah. in, in Norway or whether you're in northern US. Just thinking about Jennifer, where you live in Florida. Yeah. It's so different, completely different, you were telling me before we started yes. recording. And if you looked at the plants that live in Florida. And the plants that live in uh, Colorado, where Jeffrey is, they are completely different, you know. And they, our, they, our plants would shiver and freeze up there, oh, Jeff. They, they, they just, <laughs> yeah. they just don't take them there. Don't take them there. <laughs> but so if you look at plants and look at the shapes of the leaves and the shapes of the plants and say, wow. for example, the cacti in the desert, they're all under this lovely umbrella of the work of the plant world. But the shapes and the sizes and the colours of the flowers and the way that they are pollinated by bees or butterflies or bats. Wow. Bats are really important in the tropics. All of these things. And that's what, as the listeners know, is part of an ecosystem. And that's yes. why it's really important that we take care of yes. the plants. And the plants are primarily that you know, they are very, very plants and very very important for the survival of animals and humans where were you when i was taking botany because i thought botany was really boring <laughs> but if i had you as a teacher my gosh i'd be like hey i get it it's now exciting i think that's the thing isn't it you've got <laughs> to be able to make it work for people and make them so they go oh yeah that's you know what that piece of information is really important to me and to the way I live and or this piece of science is happening whether it's in physics or chemistry or whether you know I heard one of your programs be about sustainable clothing or recycling oh yes all these things are just really important and really relevant so they these subjects that you're covering are actually includes all of us and yes. all, all, well, that's, all that's what we're going for it. <laughs> yeah. And that's right. Plants, you know, I've got to tell everyone who listens how important plants are for, you know, the clothes that I'm wearing are made out of cotton. Yes. Uh, you know, if you're wearing jeans, that's made out of plant material. You have some medicine. I've got a, I said I've got a bit of a sore throat. So what did I have? And Jennifer had said to me she'd done the same. Yes. Lemon. Lemon. It's a beautiful tree. has lovely, fragrant flowers. Lovely to have in the garden. And I'm sure some of you who are listening have got. They go, yeah, yeah. I've got. I've got a lemon tree in the garden. <laughs> and I'll go. Oh, really? I can't grow lemons in the garden here in the UK. It's just not. It's not right. And the honey, of course, coming from the bees. So the bees pollinate so they move yeah. the plant to plant so we get our fruit crops and our food crops yeah. uh, but they also provide honey is harvested so when matt's got a bit of a sore throat here are matt here's here's some honey <laughs> you know so it's my clothes and i just love for everybody to understand you know plants make a garden beautiful and when yes. it's sure. make us happy you know it's a lovely place to go and sit in the sunshine and then you like i said to you i love the stories the histories how did this plant from china end up being 
in a garden centre in the UK or being I mean, in a garden centre in the US. I never would have thought of that. Would you have thought of that, Jeff? Like plants uh, that way? Not my first way of thinking of it. I was much <laughs> more on the, wow, that one's pretty or wow, that one's cool. But I want to bring us back to sort of what our topic was on, I love your passion for this because I think our topic can bring this into galactic space geek Jeff's world of <laughs> you were just talking about how plants can survive and grow anywhere yeah. and they're so versatile well in our search for life outside of the earth we don't often think that we are going to find a plant most of the time you know kids want to know that we're going to find a little green man aliens, uh, or aliens. little green aliens <laughs> or the scientists are like well it's probably going to be more like a single celled amoeba or something like that <laughs> but we don't necessarily Maybe. think of the plants can you talk a little more broadly on why it's important for us to learn how plants are staying alive and thriving in these extreme environments? I think it means that if we understand how they grow and how they work, it's yeah. the furtherance of knowledge. It's really important yeah. that we, we understand. We can sometimes learn things from the way there is a special word and I can't remember it, but there are groups of engineers and scientists who look at nature who look at plants, who look... Here's an example for you. There was a, a man who was an inventor who was walking his dog, and his dog had quite long hair uh, on it, and dog's name was Mika, and it was yeah. a, an Irish pointer, a particular... Aww. And he suddenly noticed that stuck to the fur were lots of seed heads with hooks yep. on them. Yep. Uh, and, and he knew the hooks because he actually picked them off the dog and right. under his microscope and then he thought that's really interesting you've got very very dog with hooky plant yeah and, and hooky plant was able to latch on to right dog and that's where velcro came from yeah so that's i what, love that example. are you looking for biomimicry is that the word biomimicry. yes uh, so to be. this is why i need to be around people like yeah. you that's so I, I have a book called Beastly Bionics, which is all about biomimicry, where I get kids looking at plants and animals and how either parts of them or all of them can be turned into possibly robots or something else to help humans. So, yeah, biomimicry is cool. It is really cool. I'm so pleased you've written a book about oh, that. Oh, yes. Everybody yes. who's listening, go and buy the book. You'll <laughs> buy it Thank you. <laughs> because well, the thing is, again, it's this curiosity. It will yes. you know, tell you things and you go, do you know, I mean, the, the, the story I've just told you about Velcro is, is probably the most famous yes. story. But I bet you, Jennifer, have been rootling around in little corners and tapping out on yes. your search engines to find the weird and the wonderful. And I think we look at science to understand the world around us, to understand yes. how we can conserve and care for the world around us, you know, how we can look after plants in the wild because it's very important because we've already said, you know, they provide our medicines, our clothes, our yes. food, our houses, right. all these yeah. things, the vegetables we eat you know, the air that we breathe, you know, if I just go like this, if I, if I just, I'm going to breathe in, listen, can you hear me breathing in? And I'm breathing in yes. oxygen and the plants have actually produced that oxygen. Now yes. I breathe out again, 
and that's CO2. And the plants will breathe that in. It's an amazing process when you think about it. And, you know, nature has figured it out. So why not look to nature to help figure out some of the other problems we're trying to solve? Absolutely. Um, the other thing is that NASA have already sent there's you know seeds into space the yeah. royal Horticultural society sent some basil seeds into space to see whether the radioactivity the condition yep. there would affect you know right. when they sowed yep. them all again would affect how they grew in fact it's amazing you should mention this because in the village i live in a little village about 30 miles away from london so mm-hmm. in my little okay. village there is a man who is actually an astronomer and ah. worked and worked in space science. And he came to me one day and he said, Matt, Matt, he said, would you like to come and see my moon tree? Moon oh, tree. yes, <laughs> I know of those. Yeah. Moon trees are wonderful. That NASA sent a whole range of seeds into space. So he's got one of the offspring of the seed. Wow. Uh, and, That's and fantastic. So, been, uh, so the tree itself hasn't been in space, but it's right. not mum and dad have so that's near enough for me yeah. if it's mum and dad has, have been into space and it's quite interesting that the plant has actually just grown as you would normally expect it and if you think about it you know you think they're going into space and thinking about if you want to colonize mars if you want to colonize the moon you're going to have yep. to have a way of growing plants because yes you, you are plants, that's right <laughs> you don't grow plants there and that's how important they are and this is what the message that we have to keep on remembering you know plants are so important plants <laughs> are so important for so many things and if you get you know if you get that into your head then you start to care for them find them interesting find about their stories you know discover that You've got a moon tree in your village. Oh, I was thrilled. Oh, I was crazy. so excited. Yeah, that's why. Yes. It was just um, just a piece of fantastic information. So plants, I think, are affecting our everyday life without Very us. Very much so. There, yes. There is, there is something, actually, Jeff and Jennifer, there is something called, we call it plant blindness. Because oh. plants are okay. there and fades, fades into the background, we, we don't really notice plants. We don't really, oh, they, they don't, they don't yeah. meow, they don't bark, they don't <laughs> slither. Or anything like that. And they, they just stand there and do their job. And so we don't notice that they're there lining, right. the, you know, and, and we might notice them if they're in flower or if you right. get it's on your jumper or something like that. And we call it plant blindness because people, you know, people just aren't aware of plants and the importance of plants, but it can be cured. It can be cured by guessing <laughs> right. how amazing they are. So I believe as part of the cure, Jennifer just mentioned one of her books. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners about your book? Yes. Well, that's really kind of you to say that, Jeff. <laughs> I had like the best time ever writing this book okay, because it was all about fascinating facts and quirky things. The baobab tree in Africa on the savannah during drought periods, the elephants will gouge out with their tusks, holes into this to get to the water. But because oh. it's got this great big trunk, people have used them. So they will have cut out a hole in the centre of it. And in some parts of Africa, they've been used as a post office. There's been a post office in there, public oh, toilets, all sorts of things hollowed out inside the tree. And the and tree I, still uh, lives? It still it's lives. Still, it still lives. Yeah, incredible. And it's those that really excited yeah. me. 
when I was asked to write this, you know, a home for every plant, wonders of the botanical world, it's called. And I love that. Uh, the, the artwork, as Jennifer and Jeff already know, the, the artwork in it is fantastic. It makes it come alive. And the gorgeous. are exciting. And I love things with a wow factor. And you go, oh, yes. That's great. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> now, now well, tell I, us who the publisher is and where everyone can right, look this uh, up. It, it's uh, Faden Publishers. Um, okay. It's due to be published in the US on the 11th. Uh, I was asked about that because that's before the UK. But it's, it's <laughs> to America in there. I've got in there first. And you'll be able to, you know, buy it online or through uh, Faden Publishers and, uh, and check it out. And the great thing about it, I feel, because uh, after write, writing it, I thought, well, I better read it. I think what it's like as a read I know the pictures are great I was fascinated because it pitches in you know it's the kind of thing that granny and grandpa you know granddad and grandma will think I'm going to read this before I give it to my grandchildren because it's got (laughs) those kind of exciting and interesting facts and amazing stories about you know the descriptions of the weather and the climate so it's really trying to tie everything in together you know in a fun and exciting way with big bold pictures and lots of really really exciting quirky mad crazy plant facts I <laughs> okay. love it I do I can't too wait to get this book. I'm gonna have to get this because you might have just converted me into a, a botany lover a plant lover here so I'm gonna have to get this book this sounds so fun but We are at the time in the show where we ask our guests to give our listeners a challenge. So I'm very curious what your challenge is going to be for our listeners, Matthew. Yeah, so my challenge is this one, is to go into your supermarket and see how many different plant-based things you can find. Oh, wow. to do this not just around the vegetables <laughs> the uh, easy but, ones <laughs> but, but go around the whole place and just put a tick every time you see something and there are lots of things in the supermarket that you don't realize are made from plants and i'll give you some clues one great place to go huh? be the cosmetics and medicines oh, oh okay i wasn't thinking of those aisles. no no I think this is going to be a great challenge. We'll have to see how many different things. I mean, it might be a challenge to find out which ones don't come from plants. (laughs) Can I I just tell you my favorite one? Please. And I don't know whether you have a suite called Smarty in in the Uh, US. We do. We do. Smarties, right. So when you have some Smarties next time, have a look on the back of the packet and it'll say Carnoba Wax. Carnoba Wax is the wax that puts the shiny glaze on Smarties, and it's from a palm tree in Brazil. What? Wow. There you go. There you go. I love it. That will always be my favorite. (laughs) This is going to be fun. Oh, my gosh. This has been such a great episode. Um, I learned so much about plants and have a greater appreciation for them. So thank you so much for being on Solve It for Kids, Matthew. Matthew. Thank you for having me and happy planting, everyone. Keep loving your plants. Excellent. You weren't kidding at the start, Jen. This was so much fun. We say it a lot, but we really could have talked to Matthew for hours. 
And I have to jump straight to this challenge. Go to the supermarket and count the number of items with plant ingredients. I think this challenge is gonna blow everybody's mind. Yeah, exactly. Or I told you the easier way to do this might be to count the things that don't <laughs> have plants in them. But I think this is really fun, and I think this would be a great exercise for kids to do while they're shopping. Absolutely. But if you do this, we would love to hear either foods you found with plants in them or foods that you found that didn't have plants in them. Yes. Make sure you tag us on our social media. We are at KidSolve at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to check out our website, solveforkids.com, where you can see pictures of Matthew and learn all about his amazing book. Absolutely. I can't wait to get a copy of that book. And... If you are looking for Jed and Jeff, we will be at the grocery store doing this challenge. <laughs> Until we next will, time, yes. <laughs> you'll hear Jen and Jeff on Solve, Solve It for Kids. Kids.